Good morning, Grace. Hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our listeners and today's episode of Can You See What I See? Vicky Scott here. And today, my co-host, Grace Hart, and I want to talk about social conditioning and mm. whether it actually runs our lives more than we think. Absolutely. But first, Grace, um, how did you go after our last episode on addiction to, to judgment? Because I noticed that whenever, whatever we talk about seems to come up in some way. Yeah, it does. The next week. Yeah, I, I do find that every time we sort of do home play, it's like, it, you know, we're part of this too. We're, we're not experts. We're sort of learning and growing and um, you're just part of that, I guess, that we're sharing it with you in the hope that maybe it invites you to some change as well. Um, well, for me, the, the big one was... Just the addiction to trauma thoughts, you know, and I've been on my own trauma healing journey and, um, you know, I reached a stage a couple of weeks ago and it really highlighted when we spoke about it that you can actually go from the addiction to that trauma voice, you know, the the inner critic and the um, dissociated parts, etc. You can actually get from that to a new biology where that's not even happening anymore. So it's no longer about using the information of trauma and trauma-informed, you know, work um, to be okay with where you're at and move through with where you're at, you'll actually get to a stage where um, you don't need to do that anymore, that, um, you know, the pedals have changed and a whole new biology. Um, You're you're literally a different person. Um, Your body's different. And um, because your body's different, you know, the the mind is different and yeah, and so I'm celebrating that. That's my journey. I've kind of gotten to that point and I'm, I never even thought it was possible. So, you know, keep doing Ooh. the keep doing the trauma work, guys. You may just create a whole a whole new personality that's um trauma free. That's interesting. So you've actually found yourself moving from where you knew you had the tools to deal with it to mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. It's different now. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. experiencing it in the same way. Yeah, you know, every time I worked on the trauma stuff, it, um, you know, less and less and you get you get greater and greater and you feel better and better. And I just thought that's what would happen. You know, you would just become happier. And I, it never occurred to me that there's going to come a point where that trauma's not there anymore. Um, mm. I thought it would always be there and you just learn a new way of being with the trauma-informed stuff. And and, and it is a, a journey, you know, they call it the long rescue. Um, sometimes people heal overnight and that's great but generally speaking you know it takes a little bit of vulnerability on your part to look at um, especially if you've come from you know like a narcissistic parents or you've been in a relationship with someone who is you know you're going to have echoes of that because we tend to absorb the abuse from our partners because we're trying to figure it out (laughs) you know we're trying to work out like Mm. why do they do this and we end up you know taking it on board Mm. ourselves yeah yeah absolutely Wow, there's a lot of gold in what you just said there. It'll be interesting to see what you do with that, my dear. I, I know, it's a whole new world. I'm so excited. You know, I was talking, I, yeah. I have a chat with my counsellor once a month and, she, and this time I went, hi, and she said, oh my gosh, you sound completely different. I said, I feel completely different. So yes, yeah, celebrating that's a possibility now, which is so good. Ah, that's wonderful. Well, Grace, today we want to talk about social conditioning. And yes. you know me, and we've, I've been talking about how can you see what I see is really about just increasing our vocabulary mm-hmm. around things that, that it's not really there. But social conditioning, it's been around since time began, I'm sure of that. But it's only since um, that, you know, I guess in the academic world, it was sort of named in the, in 
um, first up back in the 40s or so, um, but and then built on over that time, I guess. But when you think about it, um, that, you know, that process and behaviours of social conditioning, the ancient cultures, they used it to pass on stories and to pass on their culture over generations. Nothing was written down as their history, but how did they survive for 40,000 plus years here in Australia, for instance? There must have been something working about that, hey? Yeah, well, you know, this is this is the thing. We um, In my universe, it's conditioning's been there all along, you know, whether it's through parents thinking they're doing the right thing by, you know, not wanting their kid to stand out or get bullied or, you know, how to hold a job or how to keep a relationship and, you know, you don't want to be, you know, seen different from the rest. And, and what I see, the world that I'd like to see is where we actually celebrate our differences and um, we don't try to be you know, normal, uh, that we actually do give ourselves position, uh, permission to, you know, be the weird and wacky. Um, isn't that what, what creates change in the world when someone thinks differently to others? You know, a new, a new possibility can show up. Whereas I think we've bred a whole society where we're so afraid and so indoctrinated by, you know, parents and um, society and social media and television and advertising, you know, and um, I'd like to see that change. <laughs> You're so right. You know, when I think back to what our needs as a human being are, it's really about we need to belong and we want to have a sense of community and to have that connection. And, you know, as because we've been such a traumatised society over centuries, just about surviving, our parents didn't want us to get hurt and so, you know, they were conditioned to to be a certain way and so we learnt that to think well okay I can't put my head above the parapet I've got to fit in to do in order yeah. to fit in I've got to do A, B or C but um, you know when I looked at uh, some sort of a definition of what social what a social condition is it was defined this is a bit scary for me I have to say because it was defined as characteristics of both social and physical environments at the individual, household and community levels that mm. are potentially modifiable. <laughs> so basically it's like, yeah, mm. yeah, that's what and, and you know, it went on to talk about in homes and schools, workplaces and neighborhoods. So that could be shaped by policies. Um, you know, so we're talking about stuff that's very powerful. Yep, total infiltration. You know, you're getting it from all directions, aren't you? Yeah, we're being moulded. Oh, I mean, it makes your skin kind of creep, but, you know, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. For me, that um, that's definitely the case. And what else is possible, hey? <laughs> I wonder. Well, well, yeah, and I mean, I, I just wanted to say a little bit more about the fellow who, um, Albert Bandura, nearly 50 years ago, he asserted that most human behaviour is learned through observing, modelling and imitating mm. the behaviours, attitudes and emotional reactions of others. So, you know, I can understand that because even just thinking back to my own childhood, you look, you observe, you learn, you you basically do what you feel you need to do to fit in and to do what, what feels true for you at that time, I guess. But... Often it comes from a place of how do I feel safe, secure and supported, like you often talk about. 
Yeah, and you know, your parents can only do the best that they can do. And so when you, you know, when you're young, they're your world. And so you do look up for, you know, if you fall over and you look to your mum and dad and if they start freaking out or crying, then you know something really bad's happened. If they kind of go, oh, you know, little Johnny, come on up yet, you know, then you kind of go, oh, okay, this is normal. It's okay to fall and get back up again, you know. So it really, it's it's amazing how much we copy and um, mimic till we, and then that forms who we are. And so what I would love to invite, you know, the listeners is how about we just pretend that we've just been born <laughs> and and then choose, choose what you would like to have as your beliefs and your values rather than going on, oh, that's just who I am. What what if just who you are isn't what you think? What if there's some something even greater that you can step into if you weren't, if you stepped out of the conditioning? I wonder what's possible. Mm. Well, there's a difference, I think. I mean, conditioning can have a negative impact as well as a positive one. You know, for instance, let's start with the positive, I guess. There's <laughs> lots of advantages to yeah. social learning in that it's a natural way to learn, you know, isn't it? That we all do it every day. If you if you talk to somebody or you're showing them what you're doing, then they're going to learn. You don't necessarily have to write it, even with, like with recipes and things. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a written down recipe. If you watch somebody make something, it will often, you'll often learn it quicker and better than if you go and read, read the recipes, so to speak. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, it's not so high in costs. There's, there's so much more, um, there are many benefits, I think, of the social learning. And for me, that's probably one of the, the ways of my preferred, my preferred way of learning because once I can see something, it becomes more real to me. You, you, know, um, you know what you've just stepped on? That I'm just, it's a whole world's just opened up for me. <laughs> So you're correct. You know, there's there's a great deal that you can learn from people by how they do it or how they respond, etc. And so what just came to me when you were talking is awareness is your true protection. So if someone's, you know, being a certain way, you in, rather than just being controllable by that, like, oh, that's my only choice or that's what I have to do or that's what expected of me, actually just look at it and say, is this something I'm choosing? You know, if I had total choice in my life, is this how I would like to do the recipe? You know, is this, is it, does it work for me rather than, you know, not even realizing that you're being indoctrinated or controlled? Because the, as you say, I've learned so much from you, just how you be with people. And I, I would want to choose that. I would want that to influence my life. And I know you've influenced my children's lives, you know. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so I can really see that it's really about being aware of what people are choosing and then choosing for you from that awareness rather mm. than that's the only choice and I, I have to do it that way. Mm. Thinking you've just got to follow the leader basically, yeah. But, you know, talking about the negative side of social conditioning, it was some time ago I, um, I remember I used to read a lot of books about Second World War and different things and I was wondering how did such a thing like Hitler and what happened there happen? How did it happen? And I remember reading about Joseph Goebbels, who was appointed as um, Hitler's Minister for Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Now, wow, Minister for Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Oh, wow. It, even, even just saying that yeah. it makes me feel, I think everything about it feels so wrong. Yeah, yeah, it makes it my skin about, crawl. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the sad part is we actually do still have Many, many people employed in the media and marketing areas of government portfolios 
we just don't say they're responsible for public enlightenment and propaganda. Yes. But that's, you know, it's about giving the messages that the government wants to give and not just the government, the opposition, any, you know, the, the, any um, politician who wants to be in power has to find a way that they think they can obtain that power. But, but I just want to talk some more a little bit about what happened with Goebbels um, because it really brought up for me nothing's changed in our world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just looping round and round and round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, Goebbels' job was to promote German pride, but at the same time the anti-Semitism. And um, if we consider what was going on for the German people in the 20s and 30s, you know, we're nearly 100 years ago now, but they were right to be influenced by anyone that made them feel better. That's what we look for as a human being, isn't it? That's something to make us feel better. And yeah. at that time for them, um, you know, they were in the middle of a pretty difficult time because the inflation from World War One, etc., had um, wrecked the German economy and the morale of all the citizens was low because they'd been defeated in the war. Um, but that's what caused me to think about, oh, my gosh, we at this point in time in our history right now, it was a reminder that we're on a slippery slope here in this world because when we feel we're all suffering, we look to blame someone for that. So, you know, we go yeah. into that place of making others wrong and accusing them of being selfish and And that's the polarity, isn't it? It's the let's get let's go around the hamster wheel of who's right and who's wrong and get distracted by that rather than looking at, okay, what can we create? But yeah, but see what we don't we don't often think about going to creation mode. No. We look to demonise people. Exactly. And and then that dehumanises them. Mm, and creates separation, and then, right? Exactly, mm. and then that makes it easier for governments to segregate and divide and conquer, basically. Yeah, it's, it's a um, genius way where governments actually create things to get the population to, you know, be in that little hamster wheel of, of being against, you know, one, one group of people against another group of people so they can be all distracted whilst they get controlled by the government and or whoever it is, you know. Um, yeah. Exactly. So, and that's exactly what... Um, well, Goebbels had complete jurisdiction over the content of all the German newspapers, magazines, mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. music, films. Can you see a theme? <laughs> well, you know, that's, I have to say that, um, you know, well, his mission was to censor all opposition to Hitler and mm-hmm. present, um, you know, the Nazi party in the most positive light. But at yeah. the same time, stirring up hatred for Jewish people. Now, we all know where that took the world mm-hmm. um, back then. And so my question is, are uh, each of us taking our own responsibility to look at what we are currently doing and looking at how we've been socially conditioned to see if we are doing something similar um, to other human beings? Yeah, now, I- I I, oh, wow. I love what you're saying. You know, there's a there's a self reflection required personally, not from wrongness of yourself, just having a just a look. You know, where uh, am I doing this? And then also being aware of when it's happening to you. Yeah, because you know, here's the scary thing, and Goebbels even said this. 
himself at the time. He said, but if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, it will become the truth. And yeah. that, for me, is, oh, my hat. Mm-hmm. So I love it when you actually, say that. <laughs> it always makes me giggle. Are we, does it? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> it, are we actually willing to look at the world as it currently is and ask ourselves, is this what we want for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren? Yeah. And so for, Sorry, go, honey. Well, it's just a big red flag for me. Yeah. So I think we... we To me, it's a reminder that we should always be open to learning that something we've never questioned may just fit into that category. So that's gold. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and of course, because my background is, you know, with domestic violence and trauma transforming, this is one of the techniques that abusers use. You know, they keep telling you things over and over again, whether you're not going to be believed, you're stupid, you're hopeless, I'm the best you can get or whatever, you know, whatever they say. And they say it long enough that you hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And then it, sometimes it even gets to the point where you you end up saying that to yourself all the time or sharing that to somebody else, you know, that as, as though it's fact. And there's no question mm-hmm. in your universe. You just suck in there you know, perception of what they want you to believe and condition you to that. So therefore, they've got you controlled. You're not going to go, you know, speak to an authority because you've already indoctrinated yourself that you're not going to be believed. And the other thing Mm -hmm. that happens is they can use triangulization, which is, you know, bringing in a third party. You know, so-and-so says this or, you know, the police, you know, they'll be this way. and, And what you just spoke about is exactly the same. You know, this is what happens in a, a greater capacity with governments and policies where, you know, they bring in a third party or a third expert and, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you, your world of choice goes out the window. And where what I'd like to invite is to say to you, well, does it really go out the window? What if you can still have total choice? And what would that look like for you? And what would you like to create even though you're aware of indoctrinization or conditioning outside? Mm. Yeah, because I, I do believe that, you know, we can be conditioned or groomed to think a certain behaviour is normal. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, for instance, even laughter, we all love to laugh, um, but, you know, sometimes oh, I yeah. think it's actually used as a weapon. Absolutely. Laughter and minimisation um, can be really potent tools of control and power. You know, when someone says you know, um, uses a funny word with you and if you came back and said, oh, that makes me feel really uncomfortable, they're going to say, oh, come on, you know, I'm just joking. That's the minimising. And it's, you know, I'm not hitting you or anything. I just, it's just a cute little fun name that I use with you or whatever it is, you know, and I know for myself with um, when I was in a domestic violence situation, there were numerous times where he would say certain things and I'd find myself repeating them factually because it was a joke. It was almost like I was just using that joke to make people laugh at my expense and it never occurred to me that he was conditioning me and and you might also have a partner for example that might say something like oh god my ex was like this and this and oh thank god you're not like that ha 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 right and then so your only normal reaction to that would be a laughter a laughter as well like oh yeah it's good that I'm not like that and oh my gosh you know that's terrible but what that's actually doing is using humor and triangulization bringing in that third party the ex-partner to say to you, this is not appropriate behaviour, so you can't do this to me. And you'll find you've been controlled because you didn't, you don't want to upset him. He's given you or she's given you the information 
if you behave like this, you go into the category of what I hated in, with my ex. And it's all done really as a nice little spiritual joke, you know. It's clever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really um, interesting one, isn't it? Because often people will then, you know, if somebody chooses not to laugh, they're made out to be the wet blanket or, oh, come on, get Don't be so serious, you know. Yeah. That's yeah, not abuse. Yeah. I'll show you what abuse is or, you know, yeah, it's so easy, so easy to, to push back like that and mm. and then you find yourself being quiet, you know, and and that's what yeah. I really encourage men, you know, when you – and I am highlighting men um, but I'm very aware, you know, abuse does happen. It's not gender-related. However, you know, guys, when you're out and about, if you see someone, actually anyone being appropriate, male or female, say something. You know, actually call it. As long as there's no risk to your safety, of course, call it. Just mm. go, oh, that's not funny. Mm. What made you say that? Or what made you think, what did you get would be created with you saying that? Like challenge them. Well, you that's know? not an easy thing to do though, Grace. Well, it? you've you got ha- you've to have your back yeah. and this is it. You know, I personally speaking, I couldn't. I can now. Mm. But back then, no way. I would rather just walk away. And, um, you know, just mm. leave that conversation or, or just be quiet if I had to stay there. Just be quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, because you don't, yeah. again, you don't, if that's being conditioned. You, you don't speak up. You don't draw attention to yourself. You don't put yourself in, in the way of someone else. But, of course, now I know the majority of perpetrators, when you start asking questions and start speaking up, it's, it's a beautiful way to energetically give yourself defence because they know, ah, okay, don't mess with, you know, Grace. She's going to be hard work. Whereas if you sit there all complacent and quiet, you know, in a sense they've got control over you for that conversation too. Mm. Yeah, well, I do, I do think that that's been – I just know in my own mum's case she often would just stay quiet, you know, and I, I still to this day, bless her, I still don't know what she might have been thinking at the time. But I think part of that was that uh, – we didn't have language around it, and you know it's very different Absolutely. now. We can see it for what it is, Absolutely. and as we build this vocabulary, mm-hmm. this new library, <laughs> it's empowering, isn't it? When you when you have well, these terms, is. oh, gaslighting—that's what it was. No wonder it felt wonky, or you know, triangulation, or bulldozing, or you know, um, stonewalling. Like we've got—we're getting these terms now that we can go, ah, this is abuse. That's why it felt wonky. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and and look, we do exactly. we do the best we can with what we've got. And even people listening now, please, I'm not trying to make you wrong. I was where you are or were or, you know, and, um, and, and it is a journey. However, I would just love us to start to, not from a place of wrongness, just look at this, you know. Do I, do, I, yeah. do I have traits? Yeah. Um, what can I change? And again, not from a yeah. wrongness. Yeah, from a strongness. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's also another part to that too is um, just not using our full potential. Now, what I mean by that is because of the conditioning we as parents may have had, we may have passed on a belief about just stay safe, do this, Mm. you know, do what's expected. Um, You know, the number of times I've heard of people that have degrees and double degrees in academia, but they're they can't function as human beings because for so long that was their reason for being. But once they achieved it, they realised it wasn't what they wanted. Mm. It was what they thought was expected of them, etc. 
So what that has brought up to me, apart from the fact that a lot of those people, and I do know of many, um, that have been impacted to the point where antidepressants have been required and they yeah. actually start to withdraw from life itself. But we, we have tended to shut down the natural, you know, people's unique intuition and creativity yeah. over time where they stopped trusting their awareness and stopped... Um, and separated from it. Yeah. yeah, didn't even have access to it anymore. That's what happened with me with, you know, ongoing trauma. Was it? Mm. Yeah, you forget who you, you – you don't have you anymore. It gets less and less and less. You separate, separate, separate. You start to be groomed and conditioned by, you know, society, perpetrators, whatever, and you lose sight of what is it that I, I actually desire. That's a good question, guys. Maybe that can be home play. Ask yourself, what is it that you truly desire? <laughs> oh, how nice, because I think that language of possibilities has somewhere been diluted over yeah. time. Or maybe it wasn't there and it's just now that it is becoming possible that we start to think about, yeah, what is it that I really do? And can, is it okay for me to really want that? And is it selfish or is it whatever? And that's, um, that's the indoctrination because, you know, this for me it's, there is an innate being. You've got, you've, there's this being that's you. And it knows what it's here for. It knows who it is and what it desires. And so naturally when you choose to be you, you will bring in all the things that will um, contribute to you, you know, being that contribution to the planet. But we, we tend to separate from that and be that safe, you know, external petal of what our parents or society or et cetera wants us to be. Yeah, because then there's also on from that is this, well, if we don't do that, does that mean I've failed? Mm. And I love that, um, I think it was Thomas Edison um, who said that he hadn't, somebody talked about he hadn't failed, he'd been trying for years to make the electric light <laughs> Yes, bulb. yes, and yes, I remember he that. He said, I haven't failed. I now know 10,000 ways of how <laughs> not to create an electric light bulb. And what is that with more the common experience and, and that's him being that. that's him being himself you know and the post-its you know the post-it notes that's a failed glue that <laughs> that's and look look how how great that product is because they quote unquote failed right so yes. yeah it's yes. no such thing as failure unless you give up right? yeah you know I think about you know I've used this example a lot over the years um it's, it's not new but I love it you know like a kid learning to walk you know, can you imagine the first time they they stood up and fell? We just went, all right, all over, get a wheelchair. You know, I mean, it's insane. <laughs> so it's, you know, yeah. where, whereas we don't give that gift to ourselves. And sometimes we forget to give, give that gift, give, give that gift, oh my gosh, um, to our children or our friends, you know, allow them, encourage yeah. them. We've been conditioned, particularly by media and marketing, just like in Goebbels, Germany, really, about, um, you know, how to be a better version of ourselves. Everything, you know, makes out that we're not quite enough. So you're conditioned from an early age, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever enough. Um, and, and I remember back in the 60s seeing ads for washing powders that were aimed at women feeling better about themselves because their washing was going to be whiter if they used a particular brand of washing powder. And, uh, and I remember... Yeah, keep up with the Joneses, right? Well, and that was the pressure on people to keep up because if somebody yeah. else had it... Then yeah, you want your clothes to be as... Exactly. 
Yep. And if you had a Hoover washing machine, then you were going to be happier. Um, and I, now I look back at that and I'm thinking, really? We equate happiness with a With hoovering? <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice conditioning way to get you to spend time vacuuming because you want to be happier, so you better get hoovering, right? <laughs> but how, how often is that? We, we can't settle until our house is clean anyway. <laughs> anyway so I know. You don't realise how, how Until you ask, you until you actually ask the question, does hoovering yeah. make me happier? <laughs> like what other choices yeah. are there? Yeah. Yeah, and it is a slow drip feed, isn't it? You know, it's like coercion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, coercion. Say some more about that. Sorry, say again. Say some more. What do you mean about it's coercion in relation? Well, to well coercion. Anything that's drip fed and it's like drip, drip, drip. You know, be this, be this, be this, be this. You don't realise over time the the rock that the water's dripping on is changing. So it changes who you are. You just end up um, believing it and sprouting it and without being in question. Mm. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, though? You know, I just remember, you know, my my mum, she was a, a very bright woman and became a nurse during World War Two. But it was in that time when doctors were given the, the prestige of being a doctor meant that they knew more. So nurses, over time sort of encouraged to hand their power over and ask the doctor, ask yeah. the doctor. Yeah. But there was so much innate wisdom um, that, you know, my my mother's parents had lived on the land and didn't have doctors available, so they, you know, he lived to 103, so he obviously knew something. <laughs> um, and it, it really just, you know, it's just one of those things when you lose your confidence then you start to look out that somebody else knows better than you, which, of course, in my mum's case, caused her to shut down and seek help but really only got antidepressants as a result. So um, nothing to do with actually saying, hey, what else is yeah. going on for you? Well, yeah. what you just spoke well, about is, is for me, gold. Um, when you put your awareness below someone else's, Yes, yeah. and that's what you always talk about, that we all have our own unique awareness. So if we don't check in with that, then um, it's, it, there's a, it's like well, it's a whole raft of possibilities that you're just not even paying any attention to. Yeah, you know, for example, I'm not a doctor, so if something happened to me medically, I would want to go and listen to someone who has more skills, capacities um, in diagnosis than me, obviously. So I go speak to that doctor, but I'm using my awareness that as he's saying this is the case and this is all your choices and whatever, I'm I'm listening and I'm using my awareness as I fil- you know filter through what he's saying to make choices that are greater for me. And some of it might be taking on what they're saying is actually true, but it might also be, oh, when he said that, that kind of went wonky. So I might just explore something in someone else around that, you know. So this is where. Um, always trust your own awareness, you know, in choosing who to listen to and what to listen to and what works for you and what doesn't. Don't just suck it in mm. as truth. Yeah. It's so, you know, I, I guess all this talk about conditioning too, it flows on from our talk about judgment and our addiction to judging. Do, do you think yeah. we've been, that we often judge because we've been conditioned to judge? Or? 
I, I think it's all indoctrination. Yeah, it's, um, you know, mm. we've been taught that to change something we need to judge it and it's just not true. You know, you might need to acknowledge something like this is what's created and I don't like it so we need to change it. But you don't need judgment. You don't need right and wrong mm. to change something. You just need to choose. If something's not working for you, choose. You don't need to judge it. How come you make it sound so simple? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, what you're talking about is, is conditioning. We don't even sometimes know what it is or that we are. You know, one of the things that I'm really like, oh, my gosh, I just want to get on a soapbox and scream out to the world is grooming as far as, you know, that's another form of conditioning where – um, we don't, as parents, I, I certainly didn't, ha- I mean, I was aware that, you know, you see it in the movies and stuff that there's bad people out there. Um, but what I didn't know is that the high 90% of all perpetrators of, you know, sexual abuse, et cetera, are um, people in the family, people that are known to to the family. And it's it wasn't anything in my universe. I never looked at my friends, not from a judgmental point of view, but just from an awareness point of view. And, you know, actually one of the things I did want to talk about, um, I listened to a, a um, speech by uh, Grace Tame. She's the Australian of the Year and she was sexually abused as a child and, oh, man, I'm so proud of that woman with what she's creating and, and inviting for us all to pay attention to. And she talked about the six stages of grooming and, in a sense, this is conditioning, right? And so one of them, the state, first stage is targeting you know, they target their audience um, or the, who they want to abuse. And, you know, there's certain types, so get to know that, whether it's they've got you know, a lot of positivity, they might be vulnerable in size, vulnerable because of a disability, um, you know, too, too innocent, trusting, don't have that much access to their parents. Um, and then there's the second one is gaining trust. You know, they'll establish a friendship. They'll offer special outings or discuss their personal life or share secrets or... You know, if they're older, they might provide alcohol, for example. Um, and then the third one is filling a need. You know, if, if the parents aren't there for them, they'll step in as the, the parent um, or the fun person or whatever's, whatever that child is, is missing. And then the fourth one is um, isolating. So they'll actually start to remove their supporters or say things to make them not really want to chat with mum and dad anymore or uh, teachers, you know, our, our little special world. And... Um, and then stage five is specialising. And that's really making sex normal, you know, sort of saying, oh, this is just part of bathing, it's normal, or this is part of play, it's just normal. Um, this is like a normal bedtime routine and these sort of hugs and cuddles, are, you know, it's special, it's normal. And, um, and then number six is maintaining that control. And, um, you know, they can use physical intimidation, um, they can blame the victim, um, you know, that they wanted it or they encouraged it or they enjoyed it. They can use fear, which is, um, you know, no one will believe you and your parents will be incredibly disappointed and ashamed in you. They can threaten the victim, um, which is like, you know, your mum and dad will go to jail or be harmed. And then they can use sympathy where it's like, oh, you know, only you understand me and, you know, there's a specialness there. And, um, and then they also employ confusion, which is... Um, a bit like gaslighting, that that didn't happen, like you said. That's That was just an accident or, or it's normal behaviour. Mm. So you're making a big thing out of nothing. And I just really think that given that, you know, the high 90s, is it's people that you know, I would like you to just be in awareness, be in awareness of who your kids are dating or, you know, your young children, 
you know, if they're going to spend, you know, um, private time, you know, whether it's with a tutor or whatever, start asking questions. And mm-hmm. and not from fear, not from, no. you know, judgment, but just take the rose-coloured glasses off because the, the stats are saying pay attention to this. Mm. And, yes. you know, one well, of the things... there's thing- certainly enough of it out there, isn't there, to know so that much. it's not just an isolated You think case. it's never going to happen to you and then you wake up one day, mm. you know. And, mm. and, and one of the things that I didn't realise um, that I learnt about was if you've got a partner or someone you know that seems to have extra information, like extra personal information about a, a child, you know, say you've got a group of kids coming around to your home but they have more information about one kid over the other... That's actually, believe it or not, a red flag. And a lot of parents might Mm. think, oh, well, just that kid's talkative. That's why they know that extra information. Because you just don't think like them. You don't think that that's going on. Mm. So it's not somewhere your brain even goes to. And so unfortunately what what I'd love to say is, you know, be aware of this. And, you know, if you do have a partner or you know someone who's saying a lot of personal stuff about a child, you know, make note of that. And what I'm really excited Mm. about, it's, it's a crime now. If you yes. yeah, if you see or know of abuse and you don't go to the authorities, you can be jailed. It's a crime now. And I am thrilled. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's not well, just counsellors. It takes a village to exactly. raise a child. And, exactly. But somewhere along the line we feel have we've been disenfranchised where it's not okay to speak up and and there's the fear as well because here. we get groomed. Yeah, is, yeah. We're groomed. Yeah. You, know, you don't. You don't. Yeah. If you speak up against someone who's domestic violence, for example, you're worried they'll come and put the attack on you, and that's one of the ways that it. Um, you know, yeah. they control you. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is important to yeah. trust your awareness because if you go and put your hand up, and it's going to cause you complete. You know, they're going to come around and attack you, or or if you know it's not safe for you to say it at that time. You know, obviously mm. get help and speak to somebody. Don't just jump in there and create even more problems for yourself. But there's safe ways that you can um, stand up to these people or at least get the police to go over and have a have a talk to the family and you not be involved. Mm. Yeah. You know, Grace, it's so funny. You know, I think this is our episode number 12. Yes. And <laughs> As we, as we get more comfortable about it, different topics come up that yeah. um, they feel a lot heavier in some ways. But maybe it's just that um, we're starting to see all these dots are connected now. That as a community we are disconnected, which has opened up all these yeah. other possibilities for all these other things to happen. So, That's um, right. so you've already given us some home play. So <laughs> is there anything else you reckon that we could? Um, I can't think of honest, much else. What about you? Yeah, I was just thinking about you know just notice, just notice are we still impacted by old social conditioning that's mm. no longer working for us? Question it. Um, you know, yeah, just question, just being questioned. Um, so yeah. So until next week, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what what you're saying is so true. I mean, we're we're talking about a lot of sort of heavier topics, and and but what I'm loving is that I would like us to be able to speak about things that are vulnerable, to speak about things that are uncomfortable in a way that's not judgmental, in a way that's just an invitation for you to say, "Hey, have you paid attention to this, or have you noticed this?" And then you can start to. Um, you know, empower yourself and because that's what hap- has happened for me. As I've become more and more trauma-informed and I've learned all these things, I'm, I feel like a, 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 a person that's actually able to contribute greater 
and have people's backs more than I ever, ever have. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful place mm. when you are willing to and have these conversations. you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's great. Well, thanks, Grace. I look forward to talking with you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. And thanks for listening, guys. And if you'd like to um, get in touch with us, please go to choosinggreater.com. And also any topics, if you'd like to give us any feedback or any um, topics you'd like us to speak about, uh, do let us know. All right. Till next week. Catch you later, guys. Bye.